Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. When I was in the fifth grade, I was in an elementary school not, not very far from here. And in the fifth grade, there was a, a kid who was in my class, and I won't say his name because uh, a few months ago, I ran into another guy um, at a local restaurant who was also in my class, and so now I'm wondering how many of the people that were in my fifth grade class are still around. Uh, so I won't mention his name, but when I was in the fifth grade, there was a kid in my class, and he was probably three inches taller than me. Uh, he seemed like a foot taller than me, but it was the fifth grade, so I'm guessing three inches is probably about right. And he did not like me at all. And my entire fifth grade year, he tortured me every opportunity that he had. He would um, slap the back of my head. He would take my backpack off of the hook and throw it onto the ground. He would pull my jacket away. He would pull my seat away when I was starting to sit down. He made fun of me all the time. It was absolutely horrible. My fifth grade year was not pleasant because of this, this kid who was in my class. And I am sure that I did something somewhere along the line to offend this young man. I, for the life of me, don't know what it is. But there he was, day in and day out, making it just a horrible experience. In fact, I remember one day, um, I, I knew that he would be waiting for me as I left the classroom. If I didn't run out first, he would be outside waiting. And so one day I, I had stuff to do and I saw him leave. I knew he would be waiting for me. And so what I did was I sat around for a while and talked to the teacher and I tried to go out the other door because there was a second door that went into a courtyard that no one was supposed to go to after school. So I went out that door and I went around, and, and our school was growing, and so there were some portable buildings, portable classrooms. And I went through between that little gap, between the portable classrooms, and as I was going through it, guess who came around the corner right in that gap? It was this young man. Like, he was waiting for me. He was waiting for me. It was, it was just torture. And so I did the only thing that I could do in order to cope with this torture that, that had, would just after me every single day. I went home and I tortured my little brothers. I, I, I did everything I could to do everything that this young man was doing, because he was very creative in the way that he was torturing me. And, and uh, I just, you know, unleashed that on my younger brothers. And uh, so that probably explains a lot of things. Uh, fortunately, they're all older than me now, and I mean, not older than me, but they're all taller than me. I'm still the oldest, but they're all taller than me, and all of them, I'm pretty sure, could take me, so we have a much better relationship than we did when I was in the fifth grade. But, you know, that kind of torture is something that a lot of people live with, and, and when we talk about torture, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that come into our mind. Christians all around the world today are being tortured. You know, we think of torture, and we think of wartime and prisoners. And it's easy for us to, I think, to just conceive that torture is all about physical torture. But there are many, many people who are living with a torture that doesn't 
show itself on the outside, but it's a torture that's on the inside. There's people who are living with the spiritual torture um, in our souls. And so in this series, Soul Detox, one of the things that we've been talking about, in fact, the big idea that we've talked about every week is this idea that we are not a body that has a soul, but that we are a soul that has a body. That we are essentially a spirit, a soul. We have this outer shell, this covering, this temporary casing for us. But eventually the temporary casing, the body is going to fall away, but the soul will not die. And so in the same way that we want to and that we try to detox our bodies in order to stay healthy, it's important for us also to detox our souls so that our souls will be healthy. And many people, maybe some of you here, I know for many years I I had to deal with this, that I would come to church and on the outside everything was, yes, everything's great, had a wonderful week, praise the Lord, God is good. But on the inside... It was just torture. And and a lot of that torture comes from what what the Apostle Paul wrote when he said that, that the things that I want to do, I can't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Like there's something inside me that knows that I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be here. And yet there I am. And there's something that says stay away from this, stay away from that. And that's where I tend to go. And all of the things that I know I should be doing, the things that I know that are going to improve my life, that are going to make things better, we, you know what I mean? We just can't stay away from the bad stuff. We can't always do the things that we want to do, that we know that we should be doing. And so this war rages inside us. And, and, and we, we come to this point where, where we promise ourselves or we promise to God. I, I promise that's the last time. I'm never going to do it anymore. I'm going to stop. And, and we mean it. And then we do it again. And again. And we start to feel that guilt. And we start to feel that shame. And on the outside, we look good. But on the inside... There's nothing good that's happening in there. Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples and one of the disciples that spent the most amount of time with him, he, he wrote a letter, and this is what he said in Scripture. We find it in 1 Peter 2. He says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, because he's reminding us that this isn't really what our home is supposed to be. This is not how home is supposed to look like. So he, he tells us, we're temporary residents, foreigners, and he says, I warn you, keep away from worldly desires. Keep away from the things that the world tells you are going to make you feel good or make you better or, or enhance your life. Keep away from the worldly desires. And he says, because those desires that wage war against your very souls. They wage war against your very souls. So I want to talk about two things that torture our souls. Two things that torture our souls. The first thing is this, is that we're tortured by the things we've done. The things we've done in the past. I mean, we make mistakes. All of us have. Some of us do things that, are, that we talk about them as mistakes, but really we went in fully intentioned on doing it. It wasn't a mistake. We planned it out. We, we even made arrangements so that we would have time or energy or resources in order to do those things that we don't want to do. 
And what ends up happening is that we end up carrying our unconfessed sins, and it's carrying that inside us. Those things that we do that we don't want to do, carrying that in us, that's what tortures our souls. David, who who we've been talking about every week, uh, the ancient uh, King David from ancient Israel, he wrote this. He said, my health, he's talking now about his physical body, my health is broken because of my sins. And then listen to what he says. He says, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. His guilt from the things that he had done that he didn't want to do. They were overwhelming him. They were so heavy that, that he couldn't move, that he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't function. It was too heavy to bear. I remember the first time that I, I felt this weight. And interestingly enough, just by coincidence, it was also when I was in the fifth grade. When I was in the fifth grade, uh, an uncle of mine, I think it was either my mom or my dad's cousin. I I don't really remember how he's my uncle, Uh, but he came to visit us. And this uncle was great because he had a big van. uh, And many of you don't even know what vans looked like in the, what year was that? In the 90s? Is that right? Would I have been in fifth grade in the 90s? No. Darn it. All right. So they were square and they were big. And he had this big, square, purple van. Two big seats up front, and then there were no seats in the middle, just the seats way in the back of the van. And it was purple. And he parked it in our driveway. And this uncle of mine, he had two big, huge Dobermans. Now, and this is back in the day when, you know, everybody had a dog. Very few people when I was growing up, at least where I lived, had animals uh, as pets. Uh, most of them had animals as, you know, dinner. But this guy had two huge Dobermans that was in his, in his van that, 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 that looked really, really mean, but were very, very nice to him. And as long as I stayed behind him, uh, I was safe. And... Um, and so I would go, and, and he never locked his van, and it was really cool to sit in it. So I would go sometimes, and he, or he'd bring me in, and we'd sit in there in his van, and, and I'd look around, and, and it was really like full of these things that I'd never seen before. And it had this weird smell, and on, on, the, on the little console in between the two seats, uh, there were a pair of forceps. You know what a pair you know, forceps are? They're the little clamps that they use in surgery, and a little tiny white rolled thing at the end of it. And I had no idea what that was, but apparently my uncle was, you know, he was one of the very first to, to, to merge um, medical devices and marijuana. And so he was just sitting there, right there on the console. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it was great. And I loved hanging out in his van. And so one day I was in his van, and, I was, and he was inside the house. And I, I just sat in there because I, I, it made me feel older. And as I was looking around, um, I saw underneath... I want to say that there was a towel or something, but underneath something, I saw something shiny on the edge of it. And I reached down and I pulled it out and it was a magazine. One of those magazines that uh, fifth grade boys shouldn't be looking at. And so I looked at it and I was like, whoa, I mean, I had never seen anything like this before. And so I was like, what could possibly be in here? And so I started to flip through it. 
And there were all of these feelings inside me. There was these feelings of excitement, but there was also this feeling of guilt. Like, like, wow, this is great, but I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. And I'm so, uh, you know, my stupid fifth-grade-year-old brain is just like flipping as fast as I can to try to see as much of it as possible as I could before my uncle would come out so I could drop it underneath the, the, the whatever was covering it and be out of there. And then I went inside. And, and there were these feelings of excitement and like, you know, like this whole new world had opened up for me. But there are also these really, really strong feelings of guilt and of shame. And, you know, I, I, I recognize now, um, looking back at that, that I lost a, a large part of my innocence that day. And it, and it ended up being something that I had to deal with and deal with the repercussions of for years. And I never told anybody about it. I, it wasn't until much, much later in my life that I had an opportunity to share about that event and share what happened with me and, and really to just talk it through and finally be at this place where I could just release it and not worry about it. And it, and it didn't hold on to me. In fact, it was... It was because I was connected at a church, and I was already in my 30s at the time, that I was hanging around with a group of men. Um, and because they had the perspective of Jesus and created a place where it was safe for us to be vulnerable, that I had an opportunity to share this. And it was, it was the first step in really breaking the hold that it had on my life for so many years. The sins that we secretly carry are what torture our souls. And the statistics tell us that, you know, whether you're here today or, or you're watching us online, that a lot of you carry the same thing. Today's statistics tell us that it's about 50% of men who struggle with that. And this I found interesting. It's about 25 to 30% of women who struggle with it too. And we don't talk about it. We don't tell anyone about it. We keep it inside us because we know that we're looking at stuff that we shouldn't look at. And inside us, we know that if, or, or we tell ourselves that if someone ever found out, if someone ever saw the things that I keep hidden, if someone ever saw the, my browser history or the, or the things that are on my phone, if that ever got out, the people would see me and they wouldn't like me anymore. And it could affect my career. It could affect my reputation. It could affect so many things. And so we tell ourselves we have to keep that hidden. We can't talk about it. We won't talk about it. Because we're afraid of what could happen. And, and it's, not just, um, it's not just pornography. There are so many private sins that, that, that people engage in. Overeating is a huge one. Where we, you, and, and listen, you look at me, you know I've experienced this, right? There have been times where I said, you know, there's no way I can finish all that food. And I just sat there and I finished all of that food. And, and I know I shouldn't have, but I did because you get in there and, and it just gets a hold on to you. For some people, some, some of you have, and I love this word, some of you have Amazonnesia. Which is when packages start arriving at your house from Amazon and you don't even remember what you ordered because you're ordering so much. You spend and you spend and you buy things because it satisfies something inside you. 
But you end up getting in debt and you end up getting into a place where you can't afford to just live a normal life and and you keep that hidden from people. You don't want to talk about it. For some people, it's a different kind of addiction. It might be something that you drink, something that you smoke, something that you pop. I mean, these days, we're living in California. It could be a gummy bear. And what we do is we try to hide it. And we don't let anybody know. And we're tortured because of these secret things that we carry. So we're tortured by the things that we've done, but we're also tortured by the lies we believe. We're tortured by the lives we believe. We're tortured by the things that the enemy, what scripture calls as the devil or Satan, that, 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 that person, because he is, who is out there, who is trying to always whisper into our ears these lies. The Apostle John, he wrote this. He said, he, and he's talking about the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And then he says this, when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a liar. I I have this game that I, I used to play with my family. And uh, I guess for me it was a game, but for them it wasn't. And so what we would do, or no, what I would do is this, is that when we got home and, and we were going inside the house, uh, I would, because usually I was driving, so I had the keys not only to the car, but to the front door. So I would get out of the car and I would run upstairs, open the door, go inside, close the door and lock it and lock them out. This was a fun game for me. Probably not for the rest of them, but for me, I thought it was hilarious. Well, one day I did that. I was up inside and I locked the door and we had done this for so many times. And so they're, you know, knocking on the door, open the door, open the door. But so I'm on the other side of the door and I'm laughing because I'm, you know, I'm five years old uh, sometimes. And so I'm laughing at this whole thing. And what I do is I I take the, the, the doorknob and I turn it back and I unlock it. And I do it so slowly and so quietly that they don't know that it's unlocked. And so I, I'll go on and just do what I'm doing. I went to the bathroom, walk around the house. Meanwhile, they're still outside. They're knocking on the door and trying to... to now, and now my phone is ringing because they're calling me and telling me to open the door. The entire time that they're out there, they're stuck. But they don't know that the door is already open. That it's unlocked already. Because they never tried to open the door. Now, there are so many people who hear what the devil whispers into our ears. And we think of it sometimes as our conscience. Or we say to ourselves that that there's an inner voice inside us. But we have to look at what that inner voice is saying. And for many people, that inner voice is the devil who is telling us lies. And those lies are what... Those lies that we believe start to torture our soul. And they make us a prisoner of something that isn't true. They keep us out of where we're supposed to be, even though they're not true. And so what the enemy does is he whispers into our ear and he'll say things like, man, if anybody ever found out what you do, no one's ever going to speak to you again. Or he'll say something like, you better keep that hidden because if they find out, they're all going to walk away from you. You want to tell who? 
No way. Keep that quiet. They're going to think you're crazy. And this voice goes in our head. And what he's going to do is he's going to keep talking to you and talking to you. And he's going to try to connect what you did with who you are. He's going to take that thing you did, that mistake that you made, that sin that you intentionally walked into. And he's going to say, man, you failed here, so you're a failure. Right? You did bad here, so you're a bad person. And he's going to try to connect this thing that you did with who you are inside. And he's going to tell you things like, man, you screwed it up once. You're going to do it again. And we start to believe that. And we start to tell ourselves that. That there's something in our lives and we say, okay, I've got to stay away from that. I've got to stop doing that. I've got to just get that out of my life. And we say, man, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And we fall and we make a mistake. And we tell ourselves, man, I am never going to get rid of it. We're damaged goods. And we start to believe it. And we start to believe that there is nothing in us that is good anymore. And that secret that we think that we have to carry to the grave ends up being a secret that is taking us to the grave. And so last week, one of the things that we talked about is we saw that, that David, who, who dealt with so many of the things that we deal with, in fact, some of the things that he dealt with were even worse than the things that most of us deal with. David started to preach to his soul. He started to talk to his soul. He started to, to, to say, listen, soul, I know that you are downcast, but you have to put your hope in God. And so today I want to tell you that as we deal with these things that torture our soul, that there are two things that we need to preach to our soul. Two things that we need to tell our soul. That when the enemy whispers into our ears, don't tell anyone about this. That when he says, listen, if they ever find out that they're going to cut you out of their lives, you have to tell your soul this. It's better to confess my sins than hide my sins. It's better to confess my sins than hide my sins. In Proverbs, it says this, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. You see, when we have something inside us that we know shouldn't be there, it wants to come out. Have you ever had food poisoning? I mean, really, really bad food poisoning? Because here's one thing that if you've ever had it, one thing that you know. When you eat something that shouldn't be in there, your body is going to try to get it out as quickly as possible. Through whatever opening that it can find, it is going to try to push it out of your body. Now, I know that's kind of gross, but it's the same thing with sin. That our souls, when we feel it, man, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt until we can push it out of our body. An unconfessed sin is poison to our soul. And the only way for us to get rid of it, to get it out, is to confess it. Now, I don't always like this word confess. You know why? Because I watch a lot of um, you know, Law and Order and NCIS and uh, all those cop shows. And every time they confess, it's never a good thing, right? They talk to them. They give them some bad coffee. They yell at him, get him upset. And then he stands up, pounds his fists on the table. He confesses. And then they all smile as the police officers lead them off to jail. But that's not what this confess is. 
This isn't a confess that I'm guilty, uh, now I'm ready for my punishment kind of a confess. What this word confess is trying to convey is that we can't keep it in. We've got to share it somewhere. And so, so here, is, here is, um, is Solomon who, who, who wrote the book of, much of the book of Proverbs and who tells us out of his wisdom, he says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess, if they share it in the right place and in the right way and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So there's two ways to confess. The first is this, is that we confess to God for forgiveness of sins. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, when we, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Faithful and just. Cleanse us of all wickedness. What John is telling us is this, is that if we cry out to God, that there is forgiveness there. That when we talk to God, when we cry out to Him and we, we tell Him, we confess to Him the things that are in our lives, those unconfessed sin, when we confess it to God, that He doesn't hold on to them. That He doesn't remind us of them. That when we hear that voice in our head that says, you're not going to get past this when you always fall down here, that's not God. Because when God forgives, He doesn't even think about it anymore. It's completely gone. Any of you who have a computer, you ever use the control Z function? Anybody? I love control Z. Control Z is the undo. Whatever you've done, you press control Z and it undoes it. I've been writing a couple of papers because I have a class that's ending next week. And um, one, in one, one section, my mind was just going and the screen was already blurry. But I, know I, had, I knew I had to keep writing. And I highlighted a section that I wanted to move. And I highlighted it. And then instead of pressing uh, control uh, V, no, control C to copy it so that I could move it, I pressed control V, which pastes the last thing on there and just totally deleted about four paragraphs of what I had written. It was, and I was like, <gasps> I was just panicking. As it was late at night, again, eyes blurry, I'd been working for so long, and it was just done. But thank God that there is a control Z. Because all I had to do was press control Z and it undid the last thing that I did. And everything that I thought I had lost was back. It was as if my mistake had never happened. And it's the same thing with God. Scripture tells us this over and over again, that if we confess our sins, he not just forgives them, but he cleans us of it. It's like hitting control Z on your life. For God, it's as if we never did it. He, he doesn't even remember that it was ever done. It's gone completely. And that is what's great about it, that we can, that we can confess to Him and, and that, that, that it heals us and, it, and it forgi- He forgives us. So we confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing from sins. Listen to what James, who was Jesus' brother, listen to what he writes. He says this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he goes on to say this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power 
and produces wonderful results. This is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to gather together week after week. For us to come together, to have opportunities where we build relationships and get to know uh, other people, other Jesus followers who who have the same attitude as we do and, and who look at us from a perspective of how can we make each other better instead of how can we tear each other down. People to hold us accountable, people that we can share with, people who we can confess to. And the people who have experienced this type of healing, the people who have come up and, and, and said, yes, there was a moment and, and it came and, and I knew I had to confess to someone. And so I went to my pastor or I went to my friend or I went to my spouse. I went to somebody and I said, I, you know, I, I have to talk, tell you about this and, and confessed it. There are two things that they always say. In fact, in every story that you hear, there are going to be two common threads in every story for the people who have made the decision to do that. They will say that it was the hardest thing that they had ever done. And it was the best thing that they had ever done. Because once you do it, the freedom that comes with no longer having to hold that inside you, you can't even imagine what it does to your soul. To no longer be tortured by that sin, to no longer have to worry about the effects of that sin. Now, I'm not saying that you should, you know, go on Facebook and and just post and tell everybody about it, right? I'm not saying that this should be on your Twitter feed. That's not what I'm saying at all, all right? I'm not saying that, listen, you, you don't have to tell everyone everything, but you do have to tell someone something. Listen to me. You don't have to tell everyone everything. You're not, we're not talking about blasting it out for everybody to know, but you should find someone who is a, a Jesus follower, who, who, who will pray with you, who, who will do this because too many times we get to the forgiveness part, but we forget the prayer part. Who will pray with you? You don't have to tell everyone everything, but you do have to tell someone something. And, and listen, the mark of spiritual maturity, the mark of spiritual maturity is the time span between when you make the mistake And when you confess it. When you make the mistake and when you confess it. As we get closer to God, as we we learn to understand and embrace His forgiveness and His grace and His love for us, the amount of time that it takes between where we make the mistake and where we come to Him, it just shrinks down. And we get to this place, and, and, and my, my, you know, my prayer for all of us is that we would get to this place that when we make a mistake, because we're going to. None of us are perfect. There are going to be things in our lives. We're going to trip up. We're going to make a mistake. But when we get there, our immediate thing is to, man, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to pray to God. And then the second thing is that I'm going to find somebody in my life, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, to come and pray for you. Because if you don't, your brain is going to process it and the enemy is going to keep whispering it into your ear and you're going to say, I'm never going to get past this. I'm never going to be able to get out. I'm never going to be able to do what I say I want to do. It's just never going to happen to me. And listen, I hear the stories and it might work for you, but I know that it's not going to work for me. And if you only knew, and I hear this all the time, if you only knew 
what I have inside me, you wouldn't want to be a part of my life. Listen, that's, that's not you talking and that's not God talking. That's someone else trying to put it in your head. And when you think that the door is locked and when you think that there's no way for you to get to freedom, listen to what Paul writes. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. See, don't fall into the trap of thinking that what you're going through, you're the only one who's ever gone through. Because 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the people in his time, and we're 2,000 years later with a completely different culture, completely different technology, a completely different set of values that we have to work with, and it's exactly the same now as it was then. The temptations in your life and in my life are no different from what other people around us experience. And then he says this, and God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. More than you can stand. And what he does is sometimes, see, we think that when the temptation comes, what we want God to do is we want God to squash it. That we want God to push it out of the way. We want him to bury it. We want him to destroy it. And oftentimes that's not what he does. And so let's not look at the temptation, that mountain that's in front of us and say, because it's there, that must mean God isn't with me. Because sometimes, in fact, most of the time, God doesn't take the temptation away. Listen to what Paul says. He says, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That when we feel trapped, when we feel hopeless, when we feel like we're stuck and the door is locked, that there's always a way out. See, what Paul is trying to remind us is this, is that we can be free. That whatever that is in you that's gnawing at you, whatever it is in you that you, you, you do everything that you can to make sure that people don't see, that, that, that people never discover. Whatever that is in you, listen, Paul is saying this, it's just as true then as it is today, he, I mean just as true today as it was then, that Jesus always sets you free. He always finds a way for you to be free. But the choice is yours. For many of us, maybe many of you who are here today, some of you who are watching us online, you're at a crossroads in your life. And you have to choose. You have to choose. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep carrying it all on your own? Are you going to... Keep pushing it down deeper and deeper, as deep as you can, knowing that at any moment something could happen, something that you see, something that you hear could trigger it and it'll just pop right back up again. Are you going to keep it on your own? Or are you finally going to say, I can't do it anymore and ask for help? Because when you make that decision, it could be a very hard day, but it could also be one of your best days. Let me leave you with this, that what Peter, who we started off with what he wrote, that he, he wrote this also, knowing Jesus, spending so much time with Jesus, he wrote this. He said, he, talking about Jesus, he, 
personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And then he said this. He said, by his wounds, you are healed. By what Jesus suffered, healing is available to you. Healing for your body, absolutely. But healing for your soul, that it is available to us. He goes on to say this. He says, once you were like sheep who wandered away. You had no idea what was going on in the world. You really didn't care. Basically, you're looking for food. You're just wandering around, just like sheep. And then he says, but now, now it's completely different. That was you before. He's saying, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.